Hello and welcome to this episode of the Musician's Journey podcast. Today's musician is the Norwegian guitarist and composer Jugar Domelan, who took some time to talk with me about being a musician on the day after the Norwegian National Day, which gave him an extra jazzy voice. The music in this episode is by Jugar, and you can find more details on the music and where to find it in the show notes. So, who am I? Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I am a guitarist and a composer, a musician, uh, living in Oslo. Uh, and I play in the band Kalandra. Uh, and I participate in a studio, a complex studio. We share a studio uh, where we compose music for, for games and TV series. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. How did your uh, journey start as a musician? Well, it started with uh, my parents asking me if I wanted to join the band orchestra. And then I was given a altorn. Uh, and I played that for a few years. Uh, and I don't really remember sort of making a conscious choice about becoming a musician. But it was uh, it was one path that I, I just followed in a sense. And then I chose to play the guitar when I was about fourteen because that was way cooler. So obviously, it's sort of you know the perceptions of other people uh, was quite a good motivation to start playing in playing in bands and stuff as well. And then uh, I think it's just like when you're good at something, uh, but it's also challenging. Uh, that is uh, just a recipe. That is just what I've been going for. But uh, mm. I'm still not sure if it's the right choice or if I ever made a choice, but uh, it was uh, learning to live with it in a sense. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, in these interviews, I'm really curious about when decisions are made, uh, consciously or not, and if there is this uh, this uh, idea that now I'm going to become a musician or maybe one always felt like one was mm. a musician or it gets to the point where, oh, yeah, I'm going to make music for a living and then how do I do that? And then yeah. the approach changes or uh, it was just always something to do for fun and then one thing just led to another. And uh, did you make any of these conscious decisions well yeah that, that isn't really interesting sort of experiment you know that there, there are there are in the grander scale of things there are good arguments that you know you don't really have free will we have the illusion of free will but that's not something we should discuss here i think <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i remember you know i think as kids growing up particularly in norway you're told quite from quite early on that you have all the opportunities in the world. So independence be and being independent is something that is really, you know, it's a trait that is being taught by teachers uh, and everyone, you know, just it's good that you mean something, you know, that is what they tell us. But then, you know, it's a big burden, a big responsibility to, you know, be responsible 
for the consequences of your own uh, decisions. Uh, and then when you have to decide the schools, which schools to go on and, you know, the career, you get that sense of, you know, you have to do this, get into this school and do that in order to be successful and, you know, climb the ladder of competence. Uh, and I remember choosing to go into the high school. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't really, it was just like, I think the most important factor that decided for me to go to the music high school was that it was long away from home. Mm -hmm. So I could move out from home. That was, that was the biggest sort of impact on that decision. Uh, and then I think, I think I actually applied for other things than music, but then I failed my last exam ah. and I didn't have any papers. So I just decided to travel for a year instead. Uh -huh. and while traveling, I gave away all my belongings almost because you know, it was too heavy to carry. Uh, and then, but I didn't get, uh, give away my guitars. So I, I, I brought with me two guitars and I emailed them or mailed them home uh, when I traveled back again. So it was just like, it was a uh, choice by taking away all the other things that didn't mean anything. So going back to the core by sort of eliminating all our other options. Uh, wow. So I, I'm not sure if that's a conscious choice, but it was a way of figuring out what I kind of needed or, or wanted. Yeah. Um, and what you needed was your guitars. Yeah, it was the one thing I couldn't give away in a sense. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This is a story of uh, uh, not having free will. Yeah. <laughs> 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 No, yeah. that's a great story. So then you studied or uh, how did you proceed? Yeah, I studied for one year at the Folkhögskola in Trondheim, Trendertun. Folkhögskola, for the English listeners, are like a one-year school where you don't get any grades. Uh, you just go to a place and there's a bunch of kids living there and you get taught something in a specific subject. And uh, my subject was music then. So I did music for one year there. And then after that, I went to England and studied Lippe in Liverpool for three years and lived there a bit after finishing and then moved back to Norway and uh, just been practicing and playing and teaching a bit uh, as well. But I, I quit teaching. Uh, so I kind of went the other way. But, uh, compared to you, I, I, I did sort of all in musician in the beginning. And then I sort of started doing other jobs on the side to, to just really separate and narrow down what I was doing, only doing the things that I enjoyed on the way. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. What was the question again? <laughs> oh, I uh, was just uh, mapping out your chronological, yeah. uh, Musical journey, kind of. It's hard, it's hard to do that in a sense, you know, just yeah. because there isn't a story or you can tell a story so many ways and look yeah. at it differently, but there always is just a now in a sense. Mm. I think uh, one of my aims with these interviews, I mean, it's becoming more and more clear as uh, time progresses, but uh, showing the diversity and that um, yeah that everyone have their own story that mm. maybe 
more people can feel more open to the fact that they are musicians, even though they didn't necessarily go the so-called traditional route. Mm. Uh, so when, uh, when hearing all of these different stories mm. of people who then found their inner musician somehow, I like how it opens up the, yeah. the concept of yeah. being a musician. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm thinking about that as well. There are so many uh, ways of being a musician. There are so many stories. And I think there's probably just as many ways of being a musician as there are humans being like playing a music instrument. I, mm. But I, I do agree when I, when I grew up, I felt there was this like official way of doing it. You know, mm. These schools you have to go in and sort of this, these music pieces you have to learn. And when you did that, you, you master something, you, you progress on the scale, but it, it really <laughs> isn't like that at all. I feel. No, it's, uh, it's a more bumpy road. Yeah. I think it's a lot more interesting as well. I mean, like you can't really wait to be discovered in the sense you have to just discover yourself. You have to find your motivation and your feeling behind the things you want to say and then go with that. And yeah, I find that that is way more interesting than going some path and then looking at what everyone else is doing. You just, yeah, can be inspired, of course, but, uh, the most interesting thing is the things you, you feel yourself. Have you found that your standards, I felt like asking you about, mm, how to even put it in words, something about maintaining your uh, technique or shape on your instrument that you can feel happy with? Or do you have a totally open approach and you go with whatever is happening? Mm. Yeah, I think that is an interesting question. You, on, on cello, you, there is sort of a correct technique, isn't it? There is like, you have to, you should do it this way. Are there many different schools? I think, uh, I think rather than different schools, there are maybe different great cellists that, uh, some look up to and some do not, but I'm, I'm not very in touch with that at the moment. But oh. as time goes, I get a stronger feeling for uh, what I would like to maintain or constantly improve as yeah, yeah, yeah. a cellist. Yeah, I'm really bad at practicing, or at least guitar. At least. I, I practice quite a bit of piano these days, uh, and I have been for a few years. But when it comes to guitar specifically, uh, there are, I think there are, you know, there are similar schools there. You know, we have Jim Hendrix. He plays a particular way with this thumb sort of up uh, on the back of the neck. And I feel like it's probably just the audio being shown. So, you know, people have to imagine themselves. Um, and uh, then there are the classical guitarists, which have like a really specific way of playing as well. Uh, but then I find that at least on the sort of more rock pop school of things, there is a lot of uh, focus on just discovering, you know, jamming in a sense. Uh, so I, I, I find my technique I use, I've chosen the techniques always that give me the most freedom to play whatever I feel in the moment. So that, that whenever I feel like there's challenge to 
to play a note that I have in my head, that's when I practice. But um, yeah, I haven't haven't practiced that much guitar lately. It's uh, I think I need to rediscover it in a sense. Hmm. How much do you practice? You know what? I have never been a big practicer in my whole life. That doesn't mean I didn't like it. I really love to practice, but hmm. I never have had a habit of practicing more than two or three hours a day. And that's a good day. Often <laughs> it's even less, I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe two hours is an okay estimate. But um, yeah. when I was studying, I didn't dare to tell my cello teacher how little I was actually practicing. Wow. I just uh, had this very strong feeling that I didn't want to practice bad habits so I yeah. wanted my practice to feel fresh each time and yeah. not to just repeat and repeat and then get really stuck in something. Also, of course, I wanted to avoid injuries. And I also wanted practice to feel fun always. Mm. I, I probably played three, three hours, six hours when I was 16. Like from 16 to 18, that's when I practice the most. Yeah. But after that, I haven't. You spend, you spend a lot of time actually like composing music, working with music. I feel, I feel like 10 minutes a day, maybe. That's when I, how much I practice on each instrument. Uh, but I, I try to make it a habit, in a sense, just to do that. Those 10 minutes every morning or before you do something else. Yeah. And uh, it resonates with me to what you said about trying to make it fun. Yeah, it's uh, that's why we do it. Uh, music, I, I feel, because uh, uh, you know, that has to be the motivation in a sense. It has to be fresh and fun and cool and you know, joyous. Yeah, absolutely. But you are then, you're playing guitar and some piano and you are composing and you mm. are singing or? Yeah, sometimes. Backing, backing. Yeah. But I, I try to become a better singer. That is uh, also one of my goals. How did the composition come into the picture? Um, I think I started making music as soon as I started playing. I remember learning on the piano, you know, the, um, it was just C, F, no, C, A minor, F and G. Uh, I, I think, I think I learned that from my mother. It was like, with both hands playing, you know, and then I, I discovered I can go, can go up uh, one tone and I was just like that was that was the first thing I discovered I just I felt like I made this <laughs> I made this music uh, it, it was just you know the, the feeling of creating something that, that started there I think that was the first memory I had of composing uh, and then whatever band I played in I always made music in that in the band or made part of it was part of the creation process so yeah, now it's just like, it's been a gradual process of getting into the videos and stuff. I, I did music for um, 
for a time-lapse video in Norway that's gone quite popular and that helped me uh, get a lot of uh, work on top of that after that. So now we're signed with a um, uh, sync agency that gives us some work from time mm. to time. So it's really it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. Wow. So then you use your computer only or do you also record some acoustic instruments or uh, uh, some singing sometimes? Yeah, but depends on the project. Now we're, um, we're working on a sort of this uh, Viking game uh, and then we obviously need a lot of real instruments. But uh, there are some great sample libraries you can use as well. Um, but I, I feel like it's mostly a mix between real instruments and you know synthesizers and sample libraries because you need some of that improvisation, some of that um, texture that feels more real mm. uh, mixed in with the static. Uh, I think that's a nice uh, thing to shape. Uh, but yeah, it, it depends on the project, I feel. Yeah. So you're self-employed, I guess. Yeah, we have self-employed and have a known company for the band. Mm, yeah. How are you managing with the uh, with the accountant stuff? Oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I, I think this is the last year I'm doing it because. Uh, it just takes out way too much energy. And I really, the only reason I'm doing it is because uh, we all hate it in the band, but I'm, I'm best at it. So just like, yeah, I have to do it. But um, yeah, we're probably getting an accounting firm next year. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you feel like, particularly in the starting process of the, you know, starting a band, you have to be your own manager. You have to do your own accounting and you know, be a businessman and a promoter and a creative person creating videos and you have many hats you know have to put on yeah music with Calandra already for several years yeah and it looks like things are really happening for you there in the band yeah how did uh, how did that journey begin well it started about 10 years ago now nine years uh, and it was I it was Katrina that started the band the singer the singer yeah Katrina Stenbeck and I met her uh, whilst we were studying in Liverpool she went to a year above me, but we were, uh, she's one year younger than me, but I was out traveling and you know, doing all this stuff. And she went straight into school and wanted to create a band and uh, wanted to sing sort of folk inspired rock inspired by uh, Guata, 
Mm. Uh, and uh, we met while playing in a different band called The Wretched Pearls. And I was asked to join Calandra, uh, which was just called Katrina Stenbeck Band back then. And uh, yeah, we played for a few years and then uh, released some music, yeah, some singles. And we did some music videos and toured quite a bit. Played in Europe, but it was just like you were always losing money on the project. But it was just, I felt like there was something there. So I was quite invested. And also, I, I uh, we started dating, me and Katrina. So we were like getting really close, which was a challenge uh, sometimes, but also good to feel like you're on the same path. So you give each other quite a lot of slack, you know. But it was, was uh, it's been a slow journey, I feel. It was kind of like, kind of a bit like the, the, the traveling around, giving away all your stuff. Like you don't really know what you want, but you know what you don't want. And then by taking away everything you don't want, then you come to something that you really like. That's kind of how the sound developed in the band. And some of the band members fell off as well. So it was just three a trio in the end. It was me, Florin, the other guitar player, and Katrina. We had moved to Oslo and we started playing as a trio and uh, released some music and recorded in, in a CD, actually, like a full length. But then we didn't like half of the music. So we just tossed it in the bed, mm. just released an EP instead. And then uh, I think we had like this feeling that we were really good but the, the rest of the world didn't know it. So that, that, that made us sort of keep doing, keep pushing it. And we got a lot of experience from playing quite a few shows traveling around. Like we went to Russia as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that um, helped us to get a sort of a growing fan sky, mm-hmm. like a group of fans uh, around different places. And we also started pursuing sort of the bigger bands that we wanted to get the support gigs. So we started supporting Gota mm. and we supported Aive and we supported Simon and went on a tour with Simon. And uh, we supported the Vardrina as well. It was like a lot of bands, you know, when you send them a lot of the emails or follow them on Facebook and just make sure that they're aware of you and, you know, you're in the musical landscape. I think everyone just, you know, you want to help because I feel like now as well, other bands contacting us, you know, and you, we see they're young and they're struggling. There's potential there. You know, we want to help them as well. So that, that helped us going on some, some major tours. And then I think the music eventually became good enough. So we got the record deal we wanted and uh, started releasing uh, a CD with that. And yeah, it's, it's going all right now. But it's going to be interesting to see when the um, pandemic is over because we have yet to play for a full crowd after actually releasing the album on the, the label. Like, so we have probably uh, like 10 times as many followers and listeners now compared to when we last play any big shows. So it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see. Yeah. I see you are supposed to play at a couple of festivals this summer. Yeah, probably not going to happen, unfortunately. But we can, uh, well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we can <help. laughs> yeah. uh, uh, wow, it's such a 
Such a shame. Um, yeah. So you see uh, use in a label these days as well, when mm. a lot of uh, artists choose to just promote themselves? Well, I've, it's definitely completely possible to release and promote your music yourself. But it's not possible to do everything yourself. Uh, so you need good collaborators that knows what they're doing. And I think it's just whenever doing something takes away from the artistic side of things, it's worth looking for collaborators. And I think uh, there's quite a lot more to producing music than just uploading up to Spotify. So, uh, so you need to be aware of that. We we're considering we have released quite a few of our things by ourselves, but um, the label we're on now by Norse, there are, it constitutes there are musicians there, like that. It's a Badurinas label, and they, you know, they, they know they know how it is to be an artist as well, and they had really good um, got a good contract, uh, which gives us both uh, the options to you know be free and focus on what we need to do, while sort of. You know, laying the burden of focusing on, on getting this music to the stores. You know, that, that was probably the biggest thing, just like the physical sales and the merch and all that can help with that. But yeah, it's not the, it's not the biggest side of the, the coin right now. It's still streaming that is king. But things mm. are happening so quickly. Uh, trends are yeah. changing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's why I feel like with the trends as well, you, uh, in terms of genre, that is, uh, you probably meant the, the trends on what, what, how it's being played. But I think it's important to, uh, you know, stick with what you like and how you like to make it instead of following the trends because you can't really predict it. And uh, I think if someone likes you for who you are, they are going to like the music uh, for a lot, lot, lot longer than if you were just like there mm. coming in as part of a trend. Yeah, yeah. Disconnect to reconnect is already a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was thinking about something uh, yesterday, uh, which is that we only know where our audience listen to our music when we are performing live on stage for them. Yeah. But when making an audio product and putting it out there, yeah. the listener could be listening attentively with high quality headphones or having the music on in the background of a social gathering or maybe it's just a track on a playlist and the listener isn't even aware of which artist they're listening to. Mm. Uh, so uh, prior to this talk uh, yesterday, I was listening to uh, Calandra while mm. uh, cycling to the city. Cool. From the suburb I'm living in, in Stockholm, uh, yeah. I was going to work. And the music made it seem like getting to the city center was a matter of life and death. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, something was at stake. At yes, least. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't urgency there. There was a sense of urgency, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. How does Calandra's music uh, come about? Well, first and foremost, you, you said you said, uh, you said something about uh, the way people are interacting with music, mm. uh, which uh, made me think, because I've been thinking quite a lot on that, just the way people are 
streaming music. Mm. You know, you you see the reaction on people's faces when you play. That is, you know, that is something, some of the most rewarding moments when you really sort of get into that. Uh, but when you just see the streams, it's really, really hard to sort of connect with that and get the feeling that you're, you know, doing something worthwhile. And and it's like uh, psychologically, the difference between one stream and 10 streams and thousand streams and a million streams, I don't think there is, you know, it, it's just numbers. You don't really, you don't see that there are actually people. So, um, Live trumps that way, way, you know, every, every time. There are, however, like there are reaction videos on YouTube yeah. now. It's, you have people reacting to others. Uh, and that is so fun to watch since I'm sorry. We'll watch a few of those and just like seeing how people actually listen to your music, which is, it's really strange. Mm-hmm. I would have loved uh, to have a reaction video of you sort of cycling. Uh, <laughs> <for that laughs> but yeah, uh, I'll like, I think uh, with the kind of music, it's, um, it's often Katrina that comes up with an idea that we shape into something, or it can be us in the uh, rehearsal space just jamming together until we find sort of a mood that Katrina can put vocals on top of. Uh, there's always thus far has been uh, a matter of some improvisation in the beginning. Just like uh, there's a creative sort of really open, it can be anything. And then you find something and then you really try to uh, shape it into something or figure out what it is. And then I think we have our different strengths there. Uh, whereas Florian, the other guitarist, he's more of a, he's good on the production side of things uh, to think sonically of something. Uh, and I'm pretty good at the, the harmonic side of things. And Katrina has uh, melodic sort of uh, lyric side of things. But we all know quite a bit and contribute and the other feels as well. But it's just like we have we have our individual strengths and we can contribute on the other sides as well. And now for the past two years, we have Oscar, Oscar on the drums. Uh, Oscar, <laughs> Oscar, Oscar. And he's Swedish. Uh, he has become the fourth member of the band and he is uh, an incredible drummer and also has uh, quite a lot of production skills as well. So when you find an idea, uh, something that works, do you record it or do you find a way of uh, of uh, putting it on a paper or how do you remember it for a later occasion? Well, we, we always have a phone with us uh, and record it. And uh, we'll probably make a demo as well, and then start mm-hmm. to work with the demo, and then we we'll properly record it. So it's uh, it's three sort of uh, uh, different processes, and I think the demo phase as well. It's 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 more sort of then you're building layers on top of something like the structure is set, but um, you can still sort of do drastic changes by sort of chopping away a chorus or adding something completely new in the middle, but then. In the latter stages, you have to be more sort of sure about what it is and Mm. then try to shape it. Uh, What are the things that you spend time on on a daily basis? These days, I, I try to spend time on things that I like doing uh, 
while sort of getting the minimum amount of work needed. I think I, I'm, I'm more focused on, you know, you need to create, you need to compose and uh, not punish yourself for not doing the things that you feel like you should do. So I think I'm in the process of trying to be more content with stuff. Uh, and that is, I think it's just forming good habits, identifying those habits. So just waking up, doing meditation, doing yoga, uh, doing some piano playing, and then having a nice relaxed breakfast and then going to the studio when I feel like it. So might be 12, might be uh, 10, might be 6 o'clock in the evening. If I have a day for the studio, I, I need to go to the studio at some time. Uh, then I spend time in the studio, maybe one to, to eight hours max, I feel. And then I go back home and then I maybe have a... a Jog maybe like evening. I'm trying to do that as well, or maybe just uh, you know meet some friends, have some beers, like yesterday, and then rinse, repeat. But yeah, it's, I think it's uh, it's a process of trying to be content. You know, just doing it is better than not doing it and feel shit about doing it. Like, and if you don't do what you feel like you should do, that's all right as well. It's just it wasn't your day. So I think uh, that is that is uh, that is my main focus right now. Mm. Radical. <laughs> is it? Is it? Like, uh, yeah, content kind of goes against the messages we receive. Yeah, but I think that is that is uh, I think it's an important message because uh, we are not from nature's side designed to be happy in a sense. Like we have, we have, we're designed to survive, yeah. to to chase the next meal, and to prepare. And I think social media is getting those bad qualities uh, on a next level, like mm. uh, multiplying them. Uh, so it's, it's really natural for us to, to compare ourselves with everyone else's story and their life and then feel like you're not good enough. And I think you can, you can do really good work and be quite successful without punishing yourself along the way. I think you can. You don't have to be this wreck of stress and self hatred, which is, you know, I think there's a lot of artists and musicians that feel like that they have to do this and they have to do that and they have to, you know, sacrifice so much in order to reach somewhere. But I, I don't think you have to. I think you can do and be happy with just doing and you know reward yourself for for what you can do. started feeling uh, content but moving on still now I am mm. uh, I sometimes remind myself that uh, if I were to die 
tomorrow I would have achieved everything that I would have wanted to achieve already and mm. to relax in that thought. Yeah. And anything else is just a continuous bonus kind of yeah. unfolding. Mm. And everything is already great, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I agree. <laughs> mm. Is there anything in particular that you would like to achieve as a musician? I probably want to write more of my own music and release that. Uh, that is sort of a side project because I've been, been, in a sense, doing quite a lot of music for other people, you know, composing for TV and ads and stuff and then uh, for in the band, which is like, of course, it's a big part of me that is uh, really invested into Kalandra and I'm looking forward to the next albums that we're going to create. There's also, uh, I want to create something that is just purely my own thing. It, I think it's that it's just like an ego trip. But yeah, I, 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 I want to do that. But uh, I feel like I have accomplished most of the things that I feel like I need to do. I don't I feel like just doing more and, and being in the now, creating mm. what feels right to do. And then uh, yeah. be happy with that. Yeah. But of course, you know, I want to go on the world tour and play for 50,000 people in, in uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, if it happens, it's great. And if it doesn't, it's great as well. Uh. It really, there really seems to be a market for this Nordic, uh, folk, rock type yeah. music. Yeah. There is something incredibly appealing and kind of magical about it, I think, for a lot of people who are not from Norway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is a great, great thing as well, because I think yeah. you can be really big outside of Norway and then, you know, not be recognized on the street in Norway, which yeah. is, uh, that is, that is, I want that, you know, I want, I want to be able to just walk around freely while also, you know, touring the world. That would be a great, great yeah. <laughs> life, I feel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, you're right there. There are, there are sort of this sense of, uh, it's hard to sell Norway to Norway. Uh, but Norway has like this, this incredible history and like culture and landscape that is really marketable. It's, uh, it's easy to make a music video in Norway because you have the greatest backdrops. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of, uh, cool sort of Viking series as, uh, as well that are really, you know, gets people going. But yeah, I think uh, also you have, uh, it isn't just uh, Norse music. Uh, there are sort of uh, many genres in Norway that we're really good at, I feel. Like uh, we have uh, uh, Alan Walker and Aurora and uh, Kigo all doing the pop things. And Aurora is sort of also in sort of Norse uh, folk sort of uh, side of things. There are also some, some great prog bands and some great jazz things happening and classical musicians as well but uh, maybe it comes back to sort of the independent you know self-realization sort of culture as well that uh, many people end up wanting to be musicians 
maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, it's been a while since I felt so out of touch with what happens in Norway. Oh, <laughs> how come? Well, no, when you mention uh, names of artists and uh, bands, I I don't have much, uh, many associations. <laughs> no. <laughs> you haven't heard about Aurora? I heard her in an episode of a podcast called uh, Outrage and Optimism. Yeah. And she was uh, really great in that podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then I tried to listen to some of her music, but it wasn't really my uh, cup of tea at the no. time anyway. But there is mm. a time for everything. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes it takes some time or I just need to yeah. listen to it when cycling or doing something and something specific and then the two really get together in a mm. in a good way oh well, i mean in a sense that gives me hope because i feel sometimes feel like there are certain artists that just everyone knows about them and everyone sort of they're they're like you know that's that's music mm. uh taking all the listeners but i'm, I'm glad there are there are bubbles of independence. I think I'm in a bubble with my boyfriend because ever since we got together, he's been uh, sharing his favorite music with me. Mm. And that turns out to be mainly uh, 70s jazz fusion. So that okay. has like been the bubble yeah. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> And what happens outside of the 70s jazz fusion is a bit of a something for me to explore at a later point. But it was a really nice listen to Calandra yesterday. I got a bit hung up on uh, Hellweg and I had to listen to that uh, a few times. Yeah. Mm. So I assume you make music for a living? Uh, not during Corona. I probably could, but, uh, but I have a part-time job as well. And I think, uh, so in a sense, I'm going the opposite journey that you are because I, I've started working in order to say no to projects that I don't want to do. Right, yes. I, I'd rather have a money job that makes sure that I can spend time in the studio uh, an entire day with someone without charging for it, uh, if I really want to. Um, so I did teaching, I did uh, function gigs and stuff like that. But um, teaching wasn't for me. Uh, I mm. found, I think, I think I was pretty good at teaching, but I wasn't as good at putting a bit away uh, and giving myself a break from teaching. Mm. Sort of uh, consumed too much uh, mental energy for me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's where I stand. But I think like after uh, this summer when things opens up, I'm probably gonna cut down on my side gig just focus on the music yeah what uh, are your income streams then like how much do you get from the streamed music how much from Bandcamp? you have a very popular youtube video at least with the band like where where does the money come from uh like none of the revenue streams that you mentioned uh, is uh, sustainable for the band economy. No. I think we need to have 10 times as, many, as much streaming per month 
for us, for the four of us to have a minimum wage from Sweden. Yeah. And Bandcamp, it's, it's a bit, but it's not that much. Uh, yeah, YouTube pays worst of all. And I think that the, the, the most popular video we have is also a cover, so we don't really get anything from that. Mm. Uh, but I mean, there, it's nice to get like a, a bit of money, but there, there is money. There is coming money and we invest all that money into the band again. So like every music video we make, we, we finance that. That's not uh, cheap. So, uh, but it's really nice to not spend money on the band anymore. We are. So it's, uh, it's uh, self-sufficient. It's, uh, it's, you know, everything uh, it does comes from the band. Which is nice, uh, but live is obviously uh, will become a bigger source of income when we uh, open up, mm. which is really nice. And there are actually what we, what I do make money on now mostly is um, is sync and composing for TV and stuff. Mm. But it can be really good good money in that. But it's it's not sort of um, steady. You can have the three months without anything, and then you have like one month when you have to work really really hard. Yeah. So it's nice to balance that out as well. What does it mean to you to be a musician? Uh, hmm, I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't have a good answer for that at the moment. Maybe I have. Tonight or tomorrow when I wake up, and it's like, I should have answered that, but I don't have a good answer. I think it's just, it's something you, you say you are, or yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bracket. It's some, something you put, it's or something you can do. It's just a word. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. For me, it's, uh, it's just like saying, well, it's a human. It's, it's we, we, we all, we all, we all sing, we all make, we all listen, we all jam. But, uh, uh, sometimes you have the need to sort of put this label on stuff. So that this musician, it's a, it's a weird label. Uh, are you implying that we're all musicians? Maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> or no one is. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Where can uh, people find you and listen to the music you make and Calandra's music? Uh, just Google it. Or uh, YouTube, Facebook, um, Spotify. Calandra Music is probably the most used uh, name for it. Then uh, I'm sure you will provide links, uh, and then you will get on SoundCloud. I think I have the most music, but there are some on Spotify as well. Just under the name Yul Gaier. Mm. Are you looking for uh, anyone to collaborate with, or uh, anyone else you would like to reach out to you for any reason at all? Tell you to uh, hang, hang on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, just send me an email or. Uh, tweet or Instagram message uh, it's always nice to, to get in touch with people but I don't have too much time for new projects these days but uh, yeah, uh, I do have other projects as well just producing people so I have done that in the past and I probably will in the future as well 
Thank you for listening. I'll include the relevant links in the show notes so that you can listen to the music of Jugar while watching Norwegian Nature on Vimeo or without Norwegian Nature on Soundcloud. And I recommend you check out the music of Kalandra as well. For any comments to me, my email address is in the show notes and on my website, ragnilvesenberg.com.